This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Showcase Sundays today on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome back to Mutual Presents on our good ship, Violas Reach. I'm Jack Ward with my shipmate, Penny the Cat. And you know, I've, I've always wanted to have a tall ship and a star to steer her by. And this week on our look back at the Mutual Broadcasting System, we return to the seas with my favorite nautical adventure, The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. This week, it's The Wandering Master and the Warlord at Rest and Redbeard and the Bag of Pearls. Arr, matey, and wind back those clocks. entry, the Catch Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney, Master. Position, 4 degrees, 5 minutes south, 150 degrees, 26 minutes east. Wind fresh, sky fair. Remarks, departed Rabaul, New Britain Island at dawn with one crewman in sick bay due to trouble on ship. Reason for trouble, the wandering master and the warlord at rest. hot morning when we slipped through St. George's Channel, Blanche Bay. It had been a long leg and a slow one down into Simpson Harbor from French Indochina. But now things speeded up. In a day, we had our cargo unloaded into the China Trader's warehouses, and on the next day, another cargo was swinging aboard, bound for a plantation on Hull Island in the Phoenix Group. At noon that day, Gallagher and I leaned on the rail, watching the whole town of Rabaul gather at our pier to welcome the tubby little steamer up from Canberra by way of Fort Moresby. The crowd didn't mean that anyone of importance was arriving. The ship itself, a link with the outside world, was enough to bring out the natives with their green, blue, even yellow-dyed hair. The Orientals from Rabaul's Chinatown. The portly German planters. Enough even to bring Rabaul's never-small crowd of ne'er-do-wells stumbling out of the bars and into the hot sunlight. The excitement was contagious. Red and I moved forward to watch the steamer warp her rusty stern into the dock, squeezing in just off our bowsprit, shaking the queen in her backwash, drawing the crowd to a point as her gangway went out and her passengers started to disembark. Well, that old hunk of barnacle and rust really brings out the town, don't it, Skipper? We didn't get a show like that. Yeah, but neither does the Lurleen in San Francisco. <laughs> That's right. But don't worry, Red, the queen's prettier. 
Yeah. Anybody can see that. Probably leave that beat-up cub in our wake, too, with it. <laughs> the skipper. Huh? On the gangway. Rats. No, it can't be. Yeah. There's that Texan mangan trailing along the stern. That's our sin. Yeah. All the way to Rapal to cross courses with our sin. He turned his derobed, jasmine-scented bulk tortoise, and we got a better look at that 300-pound profile. Our sin had meant trouble in Tien Sin, trouble in Bali. I hoped he wouldn't mean trouble here. His mincing steps brought him closer. He flirted his handkerchief at us. Ahoy! The Scarlet Queen? Ahoy! Uh, yeah, most pleasant coincidence, sir. Most pleasant indeed. I would appreciate two of your crewmen to help me aboard. <laughs> So Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week a complete entry in the log, and every week a league further in The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. me a chair, Mr. Mankin. You must see that I'm utterly exhausted squeezing under this cabin. All right, now, don't fret, Austin. I'll get you a chair. Uh-oh, this here chair is bolted down. You're going to have to walk to it. Uh, the most thoughtless arrangement. The cabin of Nicholas of the Fortune. The babyish face glistens with perspiration. This is really quite the scent of jasmine filled the cabin. The handkerchief waved. The beady eyes snapped out from the folds of flesh. It has both finally settled into a chair. He still looked Chinese, and he still sounded like Charles Lawton. Uh, no, now, gentlemen. I must say I am greatly pleased at the twist of fate that has once more brought us together. Yeah, I said it. I said, in fact, to Mr. Mankin as we rounded Vulcan Island, there is a familiar craft. Did I not, Mr. Mankin? Oh, you sure did. He spotted you right now. Um, I'll say, Corny. Hmm? You ain't got a little old jug hit away somewhere, have you? My throat is dry and frail, does Yeah, sure, man. Red, you want to break out a bottle? We'll have a round or two. Yeah, I could use one myself. Hey. Well, now, Captain Carney, if I might inquire, what brought you to Raval? Oh, we're carrying cargo now for the China traders. Oh? Uh-huh. Taking one out of here bound for the Phoenix Group. How about you? You have uh, interest here? <laughs> My dear boy, I have interest everywhere. But not at this particular moment. We are here for a rest. Are we not, Mr. Mangan? Oh, you bet you. Like we say down in Texas, we're money rich and liquor poor and loaded for birth. <laughs> Picturesquely put, Mr. Mangan. As a matter of fact, sir, Mr. Mangan and I were seated in Singapore, faced with the tedium of here transaction, there transaction, everywhere transaction. <laughs> we decided to get away from it all. And I remembered I had a small interest in the splendid hotel in Raval. And, uh, what, dear me, right. here we are. Are we not, Mr. Mangan? Yeah, just Johnny on the spot. Uh, here's the proof. Thanks, Red. Oh, thank you, Redhead. <laughs> Hey. Well, here, gentlemen, to the fate has seen us to our juxtaposition. Well, Good bottle, yeah. Red. Now, yeah, I must insist that you join us in an hour at the hotel. It's on Casarina Avenue, right at the corner of Chinatown. Yeah. You know, the last two times we were mixed up with you, Stinky, we had something you wanted. Now, just a minute, Captain. I ain't going to stand here straddle legs and let you talk that way about all things. Thank you, Mr. Mangan. 
Captain Carney, I had thought that our association deserved better than this. You will admit that we've always parted, friends. Yeah. Well, all right, I said. We'll see you at the hotel in an hour. Oh, splendid, sir, splendid. We shall have a merry time. Oh, look at this. Did he say he owned this place? Oh, there he is. Well, howdy, y'all. Oh, Mangan. Yeah, Boston howdy. wants you to come on back here where he's at. Come on, it's on the main floor. Oh, and listen. Hmm? He has found the cutest little old southern gal that you ever saw. Southern what? I mean real south. Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, what's she doing down here, Mangan? Oh, she's a painter. All sin's buying some of her painting. I don't think they're very much, but she's doing it for money, and all sin, well, he's kind of that away now. Come through here. Yeah. She ain't much for thinking, either. But, yes, yeah, she's pretty. Miriam Lou Parmalee. Oh, don't that put you in mind them Louisiana pines? Not yet. I haven't seen it. Well, you're just a cold-blooded Yankee. That's how it comes. <laughs> All right, here's the room. Mm-hmm. All right, here they are, old Sam. Oh, splendid. Splendid, splendid. Hey, you find me surrounded by pleasant things, gentlemen. So I say. How do you do it, old Sam? <laughs> Indeed, at times I ask myself. Uh, this gentleman is Miss Miriam Lou Parmalee. Oh, how do you do, Miss Parmalee? How do you do, both of you? Miss Parmalee is an artist of not inconsiderable ability. Oh, uh, see her, Captain, this painting of the natives squatting sullenly in the bush. Is it not a stirring scene, sir? Uh, yeah, that's great. Thank uh, you. Uh, she calls it Warlord at Rest. Uh, she refused to sell it to me. Land's sake, you know he is just the stubbornest man I ever met. It's sold. I kept telling him that. I can't sell it again. It's already sold. There you see, she is determined to resist me. Well, you're facing an honest woman, Arsene. That's your trouble. Yes, a most puzzling attribute. Very well, I will try to satisfy myself with my second and third choices. Well, I'm sure you'll be real happy with him, and thank you ever so much. Oh, yes, of course. The matter is closed. Right. Now then, I have arranged for a table in the hotel dining room spread for our pleasure with food and drink. I will carry my purchases to my room and join you. Miss Parmley, I trust that you will accept my meager hospitality. Oh, goodness. I don't know if I order with all four of you men. <laughs> I don't know y'all very well, you know. Oh, now, honey, me and you ain't strangers. Shotkins, we from Dexter. Yes. And I pledge to you, my dear, I shall be your chaperone. Oh, well, all right. Now, go along now, all of you. I will join you presently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is quite a layout. Skip that out. looks all right, mate. Oh, goodness, you know, I didn't realize I was so hungry till I saw all this food. The table in the dining room was set to everyone's face, loaded with the best the hotel had to offer. Austin joined us in about 20 minutes. Oh, there you are, Mr. Austin. Where you been? Everything is just a taste. Ladies and gentlemen, in an effort to provide the crowning touch, I personally went to the cellar to obtain this magnum. Mum's very old, Cordon Rouge. Now, let us all enjoy this festive occasion. Oh, it's bubbly. That makes me In spite of the fact that our sin had usually meant trouble, we did have a festive dinner. But after an hour or so, I excused myself. Went to the China trader's office to go over some final details on the cargo. It was another hour before I was finished and headed back to the ship. Night was falling when I got there. So I checked and saw the cargo gear was secured for sea. Hatches covered. Everything okay. Then I went into my cabin. My gangway watch, Nielsen, was backed up against the forward bulkhead. Two men had guns trained on him. 
Two more put the same drop on me. What the devil is this? Sit down. I can hear you standing up. I said, what is this? It could be harmless if you cooperate. I am called von Stoke. I'm glad to hear it. Now that we've met, take your helpers and get off this ship. Don't pretend ignorance, Captain Carney. Your crewman already told me that the Chinese arson has been here on the ship. That is enough. I don't know what you're talking about. What is this, Nielsen? They don't know, sir. That fat Chinese came down with a package a little while ago. He said you were taking it for him. I thought it was all right to let him aboard. He'd been here before. Yeah, all right, Nielsen. Well, now you will stop the show of ignorance, Captain, and tell me where is the picture hidden? I'll make sense, will you? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about any picture. I thought you would be reasonable. Martin, put him in that chair. Yeah. All right, sit down. Hey, come on. All right, lay off, will you? Martin, I'll watch him. You and Emil search the cabin. Yeah, we'll search it all right. I hope for your sake, my father, Connie, that they come find that painting. I don't care how far you came looking for it. You're talking to the wrong guy. If we got here a day later, you would be gone. Then you would be the right guy. That arson is a blundering fool. Well, go take it up with him, then. Uh, look here, Herr Von Stout. The painting. It was under the mattress on the bunk. Why, that dirty Good, fat. let me see. Ah, the warlord at rest. It is the one. Good. Now we have met success. Uh, Martin, the crewman, drive on follow. Hey, hey. on follow. Hey, stay away from that man. Sit down. Look, I'm telling you, you don't knock my crewman around. Martin. Yeah. Let him handle. I'll put him down. Try and get this slug down. Come on. Yeah, go away. Come on, drink it. <coughs> you all right, Skipper? Yeah. <coughs> no. Where's Nielsen? He's still out, but I'll get to him. Where's that Arsen? I don't know. He left the party just a little while before I did. Yeah. Who slugged you? A guy by the name of Von Stott. Give me a hand, Red. I want to get up. Yeah. <coughs> Who's behind it? Arsen? I guess so. What did they do with that bulkhead? That crummy warlord painting he was drooling over, he must have swiped it from the dame's room. Then he planted it here in the cabin and von Stout showed up with three gunmen looking for it. What? That, that stale picture? That mess? What are they, weak in the head? It's not worth five bucks, much less this, is it? I don't know, but I'm just about ready to go back to that hotel and find out. Which room is our sins, do you know? Yeah, it's 21, right at the top of the stairs. All right, you stay here, will you, Red? Right. Pull Nielsen out of it and see that he stays in the sack for the rest of the night. Okay. I'm going to see what I can do to pay Stinky for this knot behind my ear. And I ain't paid no attention to some of them things I'll send, but that poor little helpless gal, that is different. If you... Carney, what in front do you want? I want to see Fatso. Uh, you make a most opportune entrance, sir. Uh, you find me in serious circumstances. Well, you can say that again. And once more for me. Captain, I beg of you, prevail upon Mr. Mangan. He is using me badly, sir. I am in dire need of your help. Help? You want help from me? Well, my dear fellow, is that such a strange request? You darn right it is, Orsin. Anybody that puts a poor, helpless little gal on a chopping block like you done, Miriam, don't deserve nothing but a fast kick in a pistol pocket. Oh, dear me, Mr. Mangan, I... Had never expected threats like that from me. And anybody that makes a pigeon out of a guy after pumping a lot of bilge about sincere friendship rates the same thing. From here to the harbor. Oh, good heavens, sir. Do you mean you've been placed in the position of a pigeon? Yes, exactly. Here, this knot behind my ear. See it? Ooh. One of my crewmen's got one just like it. We got them from a guy named von Stoat, who came down after that painting you planted on my ship. 
He made off with the warlord address? Yes, he made off with it. And the only reason he didn't get it as a gift was because I didn't know where it was. Now, you see, Austin, you stirred up a fine kettle of fish. Yes, I, I must admit, I seem to have managed things very badly. Well, that is just for sure. Poor little Miriam disappeared. Now the painting's gone. It serves you right for taking it off of her instead of being man enough to get it off that Von Stoke. Indeed, I have erred most seriously. Gentlemen, we must regroup. Regroup. I'm going to do it someplace where you aren't. Yeah. During the fat don't sound like a good idea. Well, Captain some... and Mr. Mangan, my dear fellow. What? The, the situation does not affect the proximity of the painting, nor does it decrease its fabulous value one whit. Fabulous? Why don't we you must stop at that? once forget these slight differences which have risen between us and set out post haste to gain possession of it. I'm sure you're kidding, but in case you aren't, forget me. Well, perhaps if you understood, sir. Understood what? The canvas is in reality an original painted in 1590 by the fabulous Venetian Giomomo Robusti. So? Uh, it was wrested from one of Europe's most famous museums during the last great conflict by the armed forces of our common enemy, sir. It was recently stolen from its South American hiding place, brought here, and its identity hidden behind that gruesome daub, the warlord at rest, which was smeared over it. Yeah, well, it doesn't make me any more interested. It sounds like international law to me, and I had enough even on the outskirts. Well, indeed, sir, you surprise me. I took you for a man of spirit. Oh, don't listen at him, Corny. Thanks, Mangan, I won't. I just want to... Walk back into that room, Captain, if you like this gun the way it is. Well, don't move, any of you. Move back, Captain. All right, Ponchstoke. My company wasn't any better before you dropped. Over there with the others. <laughs> well, well, I must say, Von Stoff, that your arrival is in the way of a surprise. I have come for the painting, and I want no delay. Oh, what old painting? This heat's got you low. Why don't you make Lord? up your mind, Von Stoff? I said I want no delay. Captain, due to the possibility that the painting is still hidden on your ship, my men have taken command. What? You won't board it until I say so. And I'll look. But, my dear man, I had supposed since you so forcefully grasped control of the situation that you did have the painting. I want no talk. The warlord at rest is a fake, and you know it. I removed some of the paint and found bare canvas beneath. <laughs> a stunning surprise, sir. Is it possible that the journey for both of us has been a wild goose chase? A most disquieting thought, is it not? It is not my thought. I have you in another one of your clumsy attempts at deception. I have it from the girl herself. You had her painting copied. Then you led me to the ship. You thought I would take the fake and leave the island without examining it. Oh, dear me, what a brilliant plan. But, of course, sir, that it was not the case. The girl lies. She would not lie with the methods I used to get the truth from her. What, what happened for me? Watch me, Corny. We're going to take that pocket. You there. What was that? What did you say? I was just telling my partner. Don't yes. move or I shoot. I was just saying what I got a right to say about any yellow hound dog that manhandles a woman. Never mind the talk. My papa would turn over in his grave if he thought any son of his and didn't speak his piece. Sir. I thought it was Texas you. temper and a soft spot in his heart for the southern bell. Until he moved in front of me. Then, when von Stoad ordered him to a halt, he stepped back toward me until his heels almost touched my toes. He stood with his hands on his hips as he talked. Then I saw why. He inched the back of his coat up with his fingers so I could see the pearl handle of the Frontier model coat he wore in his hip pocket. I took it out, slipped it behind me. Well, you just do something to her, you dead. And when Mangan stopped talking, I moved up and started in so he could get the cold out of my hands. It only took a few words. I'm sick enough of this to tell you where that painting is, von Stoltz. And you aren't stupid like the others. But I ain't through yet. <laughs> von Stoltz's right shoulder jerked, then his left. Mangan had put both arms out of operation in the space of time between two heartbeats. 
when Stoltz staggered back, hit the wall, and slid down it to a sitting position. <sighs> Splendid, Mr. Mankin. And you, Captain, a thrilling moment, sir. I'm glad we're entertaining you. Well, don't you go thinking I've done this to help you get that blasted painting off, then, because I didn't do it for that reason. He's got that poor little gal hid out, and I aim to find her. First, I got to squeeze where she's at out of this polecat before he passes out. All right, no, there, Mark. No, no, All right, there. You coming right on in this other room with me, and you're going to tell me where you got that little gal hid at it right now. Captain. Captain, with the admission that I've been a dismal failure, I ask one more thing. Now what? I beg of you, go with Mr. Mangan. Save him from himself. Realize that suddenly, sir, he has become a blindly infatuated fool. The barbs of Cupid, sir, that treacherous little imp... Have bitten deep. You will go, sir. Yeah, I'll go. For one good reason, I'm going to need Mangan to help me clear my ship of von Stoltz gunman. And don't think I'm forgetting that you got me into this. Oh, indeed I shall not, sir. Mm. I fear the painful thought of it will bear me company for the rest of my life. Yeah. Unless you just happen to fall into that painting. Oh, yes. I am quick to admit, as must we all, that final success is a miraculous anesthetic. Mangan and I left von Stoltz trussed up in our sin suite and went to find Miriam Lou Parmalee. She was staked out in a room on the second floor of the European Hotel. She was gagged and lashed to the head and foot of an iron bed. Her face was bruised from open hand slaps. Her arms from hands that had twisted them. But her spirit was undamaged. Well, I didn't think there was nobody so dreadful outside of the storybooks. I was so mad I could have spit. I think I did. Well, everything is all right now, honey. Sure it is, Miriam Lou. Just calm down. Well, if I had an inkling, just one little old inkling of the kind of men that I was going to meet out here, I'd never have come. I tell you that I never would have come. Sure They lied to me every last one of them. Well, whoa now, Shelby. You're too pretty to go throwing a tizzy like this. How was I going to know? A girl would just be silly not to come out here to paint with all the expenses paid just to do a tiny bit of cheating. Like they wanted. Yeah. But if I'd have known about those men, I wouldn't have come. No, I swear I wouldn't have come. Well, yeah. he hit me. He hit me and he slapped my face and he twisted my arm until I was, I, I was just so mad. I was so mad I couldn't tell him what he wanted to know. Well, don't you fret no more well, now, Shelby. I will Sugar. so. Miriam I will so. I'm just what? seething inside. Miriam Lou, I am. I'm just... what, what did you do to make them so mad? Why, nothing. Was Why, it... not one single thing. Well, I, I tell you that I just decided that if that old picture was worth so much money and they was making me do all the work, well, I just as much right to it as they did. I did. So I just packed it up. I just packed it up and I sent it on home to Shreveport. What's the matter? <laughs> Why, nothing, honey. Not a solitary thing is the matter. Well, after what I've been through, and I don't think I deserve it. Why, absolutely, Miriam Luke. You know, you, you keep looking at me so funny, Mr. Lane. Oh, that's just my heart listening to you, baby. Uh, you got me looping, don't it? You're so pretty. Oh, now, Mr. Lane, sure enough. Hey, he's joshing with me. Isn't he? Why, Miriam, you've read enough storybooks to know a slave when you see one, haven't you? He's a slave? No, sure. Well, you're the kind of a lady that brings honor and glory to the South, honey. Thank you. From sheer natural beauty and nothing else. You know, you could just lead me around with those pretty words like that, Mr. Mangan. I just know you could. Well, I... I'm going to start in right now. Uh, Mangan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a little job to do with the captain first. Yes, uh, thank you. I'm going to take you to your hotel and you stay in your room till I come back. And then, then we're going to talk this thing over. 
Oh, but I've told you everything honest cross my heart and set me to spin, and I've told you every little thing. There's nothing more to say. Well, don't you fret none about that. We'll find something, huh? I'm darn sure of that. With the key to the situation a few thousand miles away from the action, the payoff was simpler than I'd expected earlier. Von Stoat fainted a couple of times on the way to the Queen, as much from disappointment at finding no old master under any of Miriam's paint as from the pain in his arms. But Mangan's cold kept him on his feet, and later kept him covered while Red and Nielsen and I paid back Von Stoat's helpers for the lumps on our heads. Then Mangan escorted them all off the ship. But we had one more visitor later that night. I was on deck, listening to the gramophone that's inevitable in ports of Chinese citizenry. And the soft breeze carried his jasmine scent before him. I saved him to climb up the gangway by crossing it to meet him on the dock. Captain Connie, there is great sadness in me. Lost your face again, Austin? Please, Captain, I am a successful merchant, sir. And it is most unfair that a man of my stature in the world of business should be treated as shabbily as I've been today. Oh, come on, Arsene. Everybody knows it wasn't your fault. I think you put up a pretty game fight. Uh-huh. Even if Nielsen and I were the ones that got hit. Well, I'm glad to hear you mention my valiant fight, sir, for it brings me to the subject I would like to discuss with you. No, what's that? Well, the fact is, sir, that my valiant battle, my never-ending effort to succeed, is at this moment the one bright spot in my life. Uh-huh. I am determined, therefore, to keep it alive. Captain... I would pay you handsomely for passage to Shreveport, Louisiana, so that I might continue my attempts to gain possession of that fabulous painting, sir, and thereby regain my face and reputation. Can't be done, Arsene. You refuse me, sir? You withdraw the hand that could help me? Yeah, I have to. Shreveport isn't a seaport. Very well, then. Since both you and the misnamed city are so uncooperative, sir, I shall endeavor to find other means of conveyance. But mark my words, Captain... I am at this moment en route to Shreveport. Good evening, sir. By dawn that morning, we were en route to the Phoenix Group, picking our way out through Blanche Bay, past Vulcan Island, and into the wind that swept around New Britain. The crewmen jumped to their stations. Flexing fingers still stiff from sleep, throwing glances back at the island looming on our stern. Strong bodies leaned on the halyards. The whiteness of the mainsail slid smoothly up into the dawn sky. The jibs rattled up. Then the mizzen swung out, and the Scarlet Queen swung a curved wake as I turned her, and her bow spread in the figurehead beneath, bowed to the crescent of sun that was climbing out of the ocean horizon. A great morning. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll keep it, Red. I was a wonderful port. Lots of interesting people. The best the Orient, Texas, and Shreveport have to offer. <laughs> Wish I could make up my mind whether Miriam was stupid and honest or smart and crooked. Well, she's the only one who made a profit. That sounds smart to me. But the way she made it doesn't. And anybody who'd paint pictures like that warlord at rest. Yeah. <laughs> what a thing. <laughs> a mangan can have it, huh? I'll settle for hours. I'm kind of stuck on it myself. Here, Skipper. For the Queen? For the Scarlet Queen. After you, mate. After you.
log entry. The Catch Scarlet Queen, 5.30 p.m. Wind, fresh to moderate. Sky overcast. Sea cresting with high cross swell. Mainsail and mizzen reefed. Ship secure for night. Signed, Philip Carney. Master. of the Scarlet Queen has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Entry, the Catch Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney, Master. Position, 4 degrees 12 minutes south, 171 degrees 35 minutes west. Wind light, sky fair. Remarks, left Hull Island, Phoenix Group after involvement in tribal beliefs. Reason for involvement, red beard and the bag of pearls. It was a brilliant sun-washed afternoon that the puff of cumulus on the horizon ahead slowly raised to show beneath it an indistinct smudge. It darkened as we moved toward it, took on a definite palm-tufted outline, and finally materialized as the four-mile length of Hull Island. Its flat silhouette is broken at its western end by a grove of 80-foot palms, and it's set against a backdrop of water and sky and never-ending summer. Gallagher approached me at the wheel as we stood in toward our passage. It was resplendent in a newly grown burning red beard that shone in the sunlight. Hey, Barbarossa, uh, if you can make yourself heard through that eight-bell shadow, douse the sails. We'll go in under power. Aye, aye, sir, and your jealousy does not throw me. <laughs> Stand by to take it and fell on sail. All two by my feet. You'll be turning right for something. We slipped through the passage into the quiet lagoon water and headed toward the small pier that served the copra station of Harris Fenrick, the man who was to receive the cargo of supplies we had aboard. The Scarlet Queen had company in the unkempt schooner Ransom from Honolulu that was anchored just off the pier. We dropped our hook next to her, and in the quiet after we were secure, I heard for the first time the muffled throb of drums from the island. Then I noticed that the man who walked down the pier toward us carried a rifle. I'm glad you finally got here, Captain Carney. Are you Fenric? No. He's up in the cottage. I'm Ray Librado, captain of the schooner. What are the drums? The natives are stored up. Better leave your crew aboard, Captain. But we need you ashore. We think they will attack tonight. And so Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to sail the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week, a complete entry in the log. And every week, a league further. 
in The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. my mate, Mr. Gallagher, Captain Labrado. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Quite a beard you got, redhead. Yeah, it's not bad for a start. What's the story, Captain? What's bothering the natives? First, I, uh, I think you better give me your gun. You what? what kind of a move is that? I think it's better I took over command here. Fenrick, he isn't worth anything. I think it's better if I have all the guns so nobody don't do any shooting until I want them to. Well, how do you like that? You got the wrong men, Labrado. We'll sweat this out on the ship on the other side of the reef. Come on, Red. Wait a minute. Use your heads. I need you on this island. You stay here. Where else? Here we go, Skipper. Hold it, Red. What's up, Ray? These guys think I'm kidding. Take their guns. What is this? Hold it, Red. Don't try nothing now, either one of you. You're Lebron. Don't have to be tough. Just so it's my way. Is that rifle? What else? Yeah, I guess that does it, Ray. Uh, let's be friends now, huh? This is my mate, Morel. We got a thing to do here. Let's pull together, huh? Yeah, I'm not kicking. I like to be shoved around like this. You make friends fast, you guys. Maybe this don't mean a thing, but I got to know you're all right when I talk to you. Come on. We go up to the cottage. There were two more men in the main room of the cottage we entered. One who ignored us as we came in wore seaman's clothes and a belted automatic. The other, sitting stiffly in a wicker chair, I took for Harris Fenrick. A slight graying man with a purplish bruise covering the left side of his face from temple to chin. And a look for Labrado that mixed fear and hate. Sit down. This is Thorpe from my crew. And he's Fenrick. <laughs> he don't talk much. With that face, he doesn't have to. I'll talk when it's the time. Shut up. You got what's coming to him. I came in here without food stores or fuel for my auxiliary. This guy turned me down when I want to buy from him. These Phoenix Islanders haven't been at war for 50 years. What's got him riled up? <laughs> These. Oh, the pearls? That's right. Plenty of them. They'll go $40,000 on skin. I won't fight you for them. Give me a match. Light your own. Burrell. Yeah. Match. Yeah, boy. Now, let's get one thing settled between you and me and uh, curly locks with the fire whiskers there. Don't blow that smoke in my face, you dumb... Guys like us don't come down to these islands for the weather. You're carrying cargo for money. I'm pearling for money. We uh, see eye to eye on that now. Hmm? Yeah, I think I can figure that one out. I got these pearls just like every other pearl in the business. I anchor over the bed. I got them in the Gilberts on a shelf between Beirut and Nicaragua. It's simple enough, huh? I don't care where you got them. What are you driving at? That bed, the Gilbert Tees think nobody should dive there. It's sacred. They bury their warriors there for, I don't know, maybe four or five hundred years, maybe more, I don't know. You mean these are Gilbert Tees out here with the drum? They follow you all the way over here? That's right. More of them come every day. The market wants these pearls. I should throw them back just because these Kanakas get some crazy ideas? When you break a taboo, you're asking for trouble. You asked for it, now you got it. That's all right. I got the pearls, too. <laughs> I'll fix these boys. They bought me last night when I was there. Take off my native crew, cut my sails, and then my running rigging. Throw the lines in blocks over the side. Skunda don't sail for a long time. I come all the way here two days ago on my engine. 
And this Fenric won't help me get repaired so I can get out of here. Because I'd ruin everything I built here if I did. My workers are Gilbertese, too. He wanted to force them on the Shut up, Fenric. You ain't talking, remember? Now, Connie, you got any extra gear and canvas I could buy from you? No. None that I can spare. Hmm. Too bad you say that. I hope you like shooting, Kanaka. I don't. Especially when it's your kind of fight. You'll get plenty of chance. As far as they're concerned, you're fighting on my side, no matter what you do. They saw you come in. They got it all figured out how you came to help me get away. This is your fight, too, now. You'll find out what I mean. It didn't take long to find out. The sun dropped into the west, and soon after half its circle had sunk into the horizon, Labrado's crewman, Burrell, standing at the window... Hey, Labrado! ...called out the warning. They're moving out there. Coming this way. A whole gang of them. All right. Back. We go meet them outside. Bring a rifle, Thorpe. Burrell, you watch Redbeard. Okay. Labrado's automatic pushed Fenric and me out the door and off the veranda. There must have been a hundred or more trickling toward us through the neat rows of palms. They were wearing full tribal gear and paint carrying war clubs and short spears. There wasn't a long-range weapon in the crowd. They stopped at the edge of the grove. A tall, erect native stepped to the front and raised his hand to us. His headdress was a little higher, his paint a little gaudier. And he was weaponless. What do you say, Henrik? The truth I want. He says that he has seen the spirit omen. And he comes in peace. You take a liar. What was that? He says the spirit omen will protect him. He will walk into our house with the spirit omen at his side. He will return a victor to his island Beiru, where the spirit omen once lived. He's coming, Leprado. Let him come. Give him five steps more and then show them we mean business. Hey, wait a minute. No. Go ahead, Thorpe. Don't let him shoot. Go ahead, Thorpe. Get that native. You stupid. You lunkheads. You shot the chief. Thorpe, watch it. Here comes another one. You crazy fool. He's just going to pick up the chief. They're going away. What more do you want? Well, Carney, how do you like the way we fight now? That's great. You and these smoke-crazy hands of yours have got real guts. That was a tough assignment, that native who didn't even have a slingshot. Come on, we go inside and talk. Morel, you and Thor bring curly locks in. We'll bring him. Come on, Connie, move ahead. You too, Henrik, inside. Take that chair there, Connie. Don't bother being nice. I like you better the other way. What's the matter, Connie? We're in this together, huh? Together? Sure. It's going to be tough from now on since uh, we kill that chief. They waste a few kanakas and use up our ammunition. They wait long enough, they starve us out. Lazy monkeys, they get plenty of time. I think we better get off of this island, don't you? We? Oh, yeah, you mean you and Burrell and Thorpe. We all go together on my ship, huh? Sure. You say you don't have any spare gear or canvas. And anyway, I don't think we got time now to make repairs on my ship. 
I'll pay our passage to Borneo and you don't lose Why anything. Why don't you stop? I kicked myself from here to Sydney before I get sucked into a deal like that. That's enough, I cried out as a galley slave to that dead chief survivors before I'd help you get out of here on my ship. All right, Tony, you keep begging. You lay off. I'm going to catch you without that automatic before this is over. All right, Red. I'd rather be slugged than talked to by this louse. Maybe you get both, Connie. You and your mate, too. I gave you a chance. I'm still trying to make sense with you. Hey, Lebrado. Yeah, what have you got? Getting dark out there. But it looks like the grove out in front's crawling with Kanakas. Off you go, send guard at the door. I'll watch these guys. Move over there, Fenric. You too, Connie, over by your mate. Yes, them all right. Lebrado, they're coming out of the grove. Then open up, fools, if you get targets fired. Slow them up. When they get too close, we leave from the back window. If any of them back there, we can shoot our way through. We leave these three here for them. They're too close, Lebron. They won't stop. Keep firing. There's no use. Come on. Let's not wait any longer. We go out the north rim. They can have these three in payment for their chief. After they'd gone through the window, we just had time to get to our feet before the flood of natives rolled into the cottage. back to the wall, but the swarm of brown bodies smothered us like soldier ants covering the carcass of a mouse. I was pulled from the wall and lost Gallagher and Fenric. Then I was looking into a brown vermilion-dabbed face. I caught the flash of a polished war club over my head and saw the lips in front of me pull away from a set of blackened teeth. And then I seemed to explode upward to meet the descending club. first thing that came back to me was the difference in sound. It was raining. I got my eyes open. The room swam into focus. I stumbled to my feet. One chair had been knocked over. Beyond it on the floor lay Harris Fenrick. When I looked around, I couldn't find Red. He was gone. Red? Red! Fenric? Fenric, wait a minute. I'll get some water. All right. Come on, Fenric. Come on, Connie. You're all right. Come on, Fenric. Get yourself together. My head can't... Yeah, I know. It's bad. I'm doing the best I can. Fenric, listen. Gallagher is gone. Gallagher? The natives took him. They took him? Do you understand me? Yes, Captain. Are you sure they took him? What else? They caught us here. Now he's gone. Couldn't have been Labrador or the others. You mean they took him to pay for their chief? That is their custom, Captain Carney. The spirit of one of the enemy who dies while looking at the dead chief will be the slave of the Gilbertese spirit in their hereafter. Never mind all that. How much time have I got? A few hours, perhaps. But no, Where Captain. are they? Captain, I know the hopelessness of anything you would attempt. You yourself would be killed. I'm afraid I must refuse to answer any more of your questions. Where are they? I'm sorry, Captain, but you sent me to my death. But I'll make them understand that he's the wrong man. You couldn't. Any man from the enemy village. We're all enemies since Labrado was among us. Come on, Fenric, before I shake it out of you. Where would they take us? I'm sorry, Captain. What's the matter with you, Connie? Use your head. Labrado, after all this, you come back to do more. Sure. Sure I come back. Why not? With the same forty-five in case Carney gets too brave. Have it ready, Labrado. When you need it, you're going to need it in a hurry. It is ready. Why don't you wake up, Carney? Your mate is gone with the Kanakas. What can you do? Use your head. Go with me to your ship now so we can get off this island. Drop it. I pay your passage in advance. You're just making me sick. Drop it. 
Get sore, pull the trigger, do something, but quit trying to sell me that deal. All right. You stay on the island, then. If you, it would be easy. But you think we can't leave on your ship without you? We handled crews like that before. We'll make it all right. You might have that for a few days. It's a good try, Connie. I promise you that. Now that you give me your ship, I tell you where the Kanakas take your mate. Labrador, why don't you just shoot him? You know what you're doing to him by telling him. Sure, I know. <laughs> I fix it so the captain can bend over three sharp bamboo stakes. Two for the belly and one for the heart. While a big Kanaka, he pushes him down from behind. Labrador. Go through the grove, Carney. South of there, you'll find a scrub forest. After you go through 300 yards, you look low underneath. Maybe see their fire. Maybe you'll get there in time to see how the three stakes look in your mate. You're happy now? Yeah, and I don't want to spoil it by forgetting you got that gun. Get out of here, Labrado. I can't stay away from you. Get out of here, Labrado. Sure, Carney. It don't make me sad to get out of here. Captain Carney. All right, Fenwick. But your ship... Why not go with him and try to save at least that? He's ruined what I've built. And now for a hopeless search, you let him put an end to what you have. That's enough, Fenric. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should have gone. I couldn't. Not yet. I followed the beach. I walked the 200 yards and started dropping to the ground every ten feet or so to look under the heavy foliage for a flicker of flame. I covered half of the next hundred. I squatted low for a few minutes, my soaked clothes sticking coolly to my body. The movement of a figure on the beach ahead caught my eye, all my attention focused on it. Not for long, but long enough to dull me to the movement behind me. It was a short rush. I half turned to meet one of them. The other one stayed behind me, and a loop settled around my throat and tightened. struggled until I was blinded by the flashes in my eyes. The noose relaxed as soon as I stopped. The hand in my back pushed me in the direction the native behind me wanted me to go. I stumbled ahead along an unseen passage through the scrub. I entered the uneven circle of light spreading from a number of fires fighting against the rain. I looked up at a wall of stony, silent faces. Then my natives pulled me to a halt. I made myself look at the ground forced my eyes to stay on a triangle of stiletto-sharp stakes that gleam wetly in the firelight. My guard took my shoulder. The noose slipped off, then he turned me away from the stake, pushed me forward toward the wall of natives. An aisle split the crowd. I was guided through it. I made the first six feet on the other side, then I stopped. Fire on this side was bigger, flames leaping cheerfully, higher than my head, forming a curtain that I could see vaguely through. Only vaguely, and I still didn't believe what I thought I saw. Yeah. I moved around the fire. And I had to believe it because I heard it. Alden, no. This is not the killer of the sheep. Why not? Tell me, my donkey. Gallagher. Not impaled on stakes, but seated on a chair of sorts, his bright red beard glowing in the firelight, and a shelter of palm leaves protecting him from the rain the rest of us stood in. He looked at me coolly then gestured idly with two fingers on his right hand. Have the white man sent to me. Benua, Baraki. Tell them I speak to the white man. Then we find the killer of their chief. Maori, Ma, you know my face. 
I've been through dodging that, that honor. Well, you tell him you've got a scarlet queen that just sets off your beard. That's woman enough for you. Believe me, Skipper, I'll be glad to get her back. An hour later, Gallagher and I had led our 20 natives to the edge of the lagoon, a safe distance away from this pier, and stripped down to dungarees. We slipped into the water. stroked silently with our arms submerged, with only our heads breaking the surface. We reached the queen, rested on the port side. We found both Thorpe and Burrell standing watch on deck. According to plan, I submerged, swam under the keel. Came up on the starboard side, waited there for the disturbance that was to take them to port so I could board. I didn't hear the sound, but I saw Thorpe's head lift and swing toward it. I was halfway over the rail by the time they started to move. And I was behind them as they reached the rail. I dropped to the deck and lifted their feet first. Thorpe, and then Burrell! They were fished out by waiting brown arms that quieted their struggling and started towing them to shore. Gallagher came aboard. We didn't wait for LeBron. Come on, we went after him. He was sitting on the edge of my bunk, idly picking an untrimmed thumbnail. When he saw us, his mouth dropped open. He lunged to his feet and his hands streaked toward the automatic in his way. Hey, what the devil? Without the gun this time, LeBron. Oh, no. I take his gun right off. Take him. Hey, what do you think you're doing, Connor? I don't know what to do without that automatic in your fist. Do you, LeBron? Oh. You don't like it when you're unarmed like that... Native chief. Oh, Ernie. I don't think you knew what else to do with a guy who had enough guts to walk up to you and your two riflemen. You don't understand guts, do you? Scares you to death when you see them in somebody else. Oh, that's enough. Not quite. It. All right, now get him. All right, I got him. What's this? It fell out of his shirt. Just the pearls, Randy. You bring them. We'll give both the pearls and Labrado to our friends. Don't let those crazy fools get me. Shut up, Labrado. No. Oh, please, please, Tommy, don't. Don't let him get me. All right, Gallagher. Be the big chief. Hand the pearls over to your loyal subjects. <laughs> right, Skipper. 
clouds of the moon shot a spotlight that shone on a triangle of palms ashore. They gleamed wetly in the silver light, and they reminded me of the triangle of glistening stiletto-sharp stakes that were now waiting for Labrado. I went in to clean myself up before I hit the sack. By 1.30 the next day, we discharged Fenrick's cargo and left Hull Island basking in the sun peacefully once more, richer for the unkempt schooner Ransom from Honolulu. With the white curl of surf on coral dropping astern, I cut the motor, and Red roared the crew into action. Stand by to make sail! It was a meek equatorial breeze that flowed in on our starboard quarter, but the crewmen jumped to their stations as though it was the wind they'd waited for all their lives. It was a holiday wind that we'd ride to Christmas. No snow or holly wreaths, no sleigh bells or shopping lists. But we'd be one up on the world. We'd celebrate the holiday on Christmas Island. The mainsail blossomed into the air. The jib. Then the mizzen swung across my head and its expanse went to work. The Scarlet Queen, unimpressed by the meager wind she was getting, settled lazily on her course and nestled into the long blue-green swells that stretched endlessly ahead. Hey, Skipper, I got something to show you. How are you, almighty bearded one, pride of the Gilbert Islands? <laughs> yeah, you, you think it's a gag, huh? Yeah, yeah, look at here, look. The Pacific Islands Handbook. Page one, two, go, go ahead, go ahead, read, read. Right. Look, look at that. The Spanish explorer <laughs> Mendana was in these waters in 1567, yeah. and it's believed that he may have sighted the Gilbert group. <laughs> That's my outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, strong native tradition has it that between 1550 and 1600, a man with white skin, red hair, and red beard came ashore at the island of Beirut, Gilbert, in a boat like a box in a famished condition. Yeah. He recovered, took as wives the eight sisters of a local chief, and had 23 children whose descendants are now scattered throughout 14 of the 16 Gilbert Islands. He may have come from Mendania's ship. <laughs> How do you like that? It's right there for anybody to read. Oh, Red, it's a great beard, but with yeah. the name Gallagher, it somehow doesn't point back to a Spanish explorer. Yeah, yeah well, well, funnier things have happened, and besides, it worked, didn't it? We got out of there. With your loyal subject pushing eight wives at you, you had to get out. <laughs> How'd you defend yourself, Red? Just like you said. I told him I had a scarlet queen that just fit off my beard. <laughs> Here, Skipper. To the queen? Yeah, after what she got you out of, to the queen. <laughs> after you, mate. After you. Log entry. The catch, Scarlet Queen. 5.30 p.m. Wind light. Sky fair with cumulus on eastern horizon. Sea calm with low swell. Ship secure for night. Signed, Philip Carney. Master. 
image of the Scarlet Queen has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.